0: Well, good morning again, Hope Midtown. It's so great to see so many here uh, on this Memorial Day weekend. Um, if I haven't met you before, my name's Kathy. I'm one of the pastors here, and um, I'm going to go ahead and forewarn you that after the events of this last week with the shooting, that this is going to be a pretty raw and real message, and I hope, I hope you'll be okay with that. It was already going to be that way anyway, <laughs> um, but um, as David said in the psalm that was just read, his heart is sad and my, my heart is also sad. And maybe many of you have walked into these doors with a sad heart. And so my hope is that after we leave today, that even though our hearts are sad, that we will um, all be encouraged as we leave. But as I was preparing this message uh, from the psalm for today, I did get to study one of my favorite things. Um, if any of you know me at all, you know that I love animals. I am a huge animal fan, uh, I love mostly all animals except for snakes. I do not like snakes, Uh, I am terrified of snakes, and if you were at the retreat last week, you may have heard or seen my video where I had a close encounter with a snake, Um, and it was thankfully brief, but it was very unwelcomed. It was on the doorstep of my cabin, and uh, I, I don't like snakes. (laughs) I was pretty freaked out after that. Um, But other than that, uh, I do love animals. And so today in our passage in Psalm 42 that was just read, I want to point out that these first two verses, it mentions deer, not D-E-A-R, but D-E-E-R, deer, the animal deer. And I was pondering, why does David use this animal to compare himself to? ever thought about that? I mean, he could have chosen any animal to compare himself to in this passage, but he picked a deer, which I I just think is so interesting. Again, in verse one and two, it says, as the deer longs for streams of water, so I long for you, O God. I thirst for God, the living God. When can I go and stand before him? And you see, David's context for this psalm is really, really interesting because he had been on the run when he wrote this psalm. He uh, had been on the run from, from King Saul and this group of people that were after him called the Philistines, and he is on the run for his life. He is on the move. When he wrote this psalm, this is what was happening in his life. He literally had a target on his back. And they're probably, you know, not many of us maybe in this room can identify with that type of fear or, or darkness, um, but I would guess that many of us have experienced other types of fear, other kinds of fear or darkness that we too can relate to David in this passage. And some of our fears, you know, they have an explanation. Uh, some of our fears don't have an explanation. I mean, I cannot tell you why I don't like snakes. I, I, I have no explanation for it. I just don't like them. But many of our fears do have valid explanations. But in David's case here, in his life context, it was almost like he was like prey being hunted. And so I, I, I put together a little slide of of deer here, now, you see on the, on the left this this first one. You know he's cute, right? He's, that's what we normally think of deer as being these cute little little creatures. Um, the second one we see, you know, this is a deer in in a pretty uh, dark winter, right, setting. So this deer is kind of hanging out in this dark winter setting. And then we have this this third one over here. If you can see that, he's got these large set of antlers and stuff to to protect himself, and and he's in kind of a cold wintry. Uh, Time and area as well, and so deer are actually called prey animals. That's P R E Y, prey animals. And prey animals, if you don't know what they are, they're they're animals that are preyed upon and eaten by other animals. They're they're chased, and deer can be hunted down by bears or mountain lions or um, wolves. And obviously, you know, some of us know that that humans can even hunt deer. And it has been said that during this time, as as David is is literally on the run, he is, he's being chased after by Saul and the Philistines, that he, um, he's, he's dealing with this persecution, right? There's this real darkness and sadness of being, being gone after. And so obviously we can't ask David today why he likened himself to a deer, but I, I do feel a little bit like that's maybe why he picked this prey animal because they're hunted and when they're hunted they move and they run And we know that David was in this season of being uh, chased after, this very sad and dark season from those who were seeking to destroy him. But I want to focus today on another way that he likens himself to this deer. And he says that as the deer thirsts for water, he thirsts for God. He thirsts for God. Even in this season, he thirsts for God. And he's in a dark season. It's not pretty. Look at at verse three. He says, day and night, I have only tears for food, while my enemies continually taunt me, saying, where is this God of yours? I wonder, can you think of a time in your own life where you could say, I only had tears for food. I know that some of you may be here today, and maybe you are presently in that type of dark season where you have had only tears for food. And that may have been because you lost someone close to you. That may have been because, or maybe because, you're dealing with depression and anxiety from all the myriad of things that COVID had to offer us in these last two years. Perhaps you're in a season where you are experiencing a deep loneliness. And you too have been feeding off of your tears. Well, I want to tell you, I too have been in a very dark season as well. You see, when COVID hit our city in March 2020, I was in the process of planting a new church. Some of you were here during that time. And you know, I was leaving my role here uh, as the worship pastor, and I was off with our our plant team to, to plant this church. And in an instant during that time, all of our dreams, our hopes, our plans, our wishes, all of those things just died. It was like a mini death, even though I didn't know it at the time. I had a lot of tears for food during that time, but I didn't, I didn't understand. It was like experiencing a little death because we had to change everything in a moment. And then after two years of, of two challenging years of, of, of leading that congregation and that church during COVID um, in the city that, you know, we had to make this difficult, very difficult decision to close that church this year. And while the beginning of the church was a mini death, the ending of it was a huge death. And maybe some of you here can relate to that. COVID having changed your plans, your dreams, your trajectory that you thought God had you on. And all of a sudden, everything changed. And if I'm being honest, I have been feeding off of my tears for months. Probably for years, if I'm really being honest. But what I have learned and what God continues to show me in this season is that no matter how much I despise the pain and the grieving and the tears, I don't like the tears, I don't like the constant tears. I have had to let myself go into that pain with God and give myself that grace to grieve. And I just want to encourage you here right now, if you don't get anything out of this message today, I hope you will walk out here knowing that you have the grace to grieve. You can give yourself the grace to grieve. You need to give yourself the grace to grieve. We all need to give ourselves the grace to grieve. And in many of these cases, as I've looked back, even in my current grief, as I've been looking at this grief, And this is where I'm gonna be really real. Can I be really real with you guys today? Can I be real? I see some heads nodding. I'm gonna be real, so get ready. Um, You know, in many cases where I've been sort of analyzing my grief, and especially in these last few weeks, I've been realizing that actually what I've been experiencing is anger. Like, real and deep anger. I identify on the Enneagram with the number eight. Um, If any of you have done the Enneagram and you identify with the number eight, you know that us eights, anger, is one of the most easily accessible emotions for us to grab. It's connected to our gut. And often for an eight, the source of the anger can be injustice, it can be oppression, um, often I will, I will, you know, turn my anger towards someone else <laughs> um, because I'm feeling that way, um, because we're triggered to anger. And so, for example, when I saw that there were 19 children gunned down for no reason this week, I was angry. I was so angry so angry I was so angry that I wanted to scream I wanted to throw things you know and us pastors like we're not supposed to do that guys <laughs> us pastors we're not supposed to scream and throw things at least that's what I've been taught but if I'm being really honest, When I started really tapping into that anger, even this week, I realized I have been so angry at God. I've been so angry at God. And I wasn't even aware. I knew I was angry, but I didn't know I was angry at him. And imagine that being a pastor, you know, we're supposed to teach about his love and his forgiveness and... So just the disorientation that I've been experiencing of recognizing that I am angry at the one who I love has been really hard. But you see, this anger, once I realized that's what it was that was going on, this anger I realized was drowning out my ability to have perspective. And what I know that I know that I know is that even if I don't understand what's happening in my life or in the world, I know that I know that I know that God loves me. And I know that his plans are good for me. And I can still stand up here and say that, even in my anger. And I know that that is what is true. I know that he loves you. And he loves me. And so even though sometimes I don't necessarily feel that love, what I realize is that that doesn't mean that I have lost his love. Even in my anger and I don't feel his love, it doesn't mean that I have lost his love. And I, I put this up here because I, I, I really believe that this is what David really understood. You know, David wrote these, if you haven't looked in the Psalms, I encourage you to look in the Psalms. This dude is real. I mean, he expresses his anger, his sadness. He was in touch with his feelings like like nobody else in the Bible that I can read. I mean, but he gets this. That even though we may not feel God in our painfully present moments, it does not mean that we have lost him. It does not mean that we have lost his love. And somebody needs to really hear that this morning. You see, David continued to thirst, even on the run, even in the darkest of seasons. He's got people out for his life. He continued to thirst for the living God, even in his painful reality. He's got enemies taunting him. And not only that, we read in this next verse that he was even barred from going to the one place where he knew God would be. In the Old Testament, you know, maybe, maybe you, I'm going to date myself, but Raiders of the Lost Ark, right? They carried around the Ark of the Covenant, right? Well, there was also this place called the temple, which is where God's presence dwelled. This was pre-Jesus coming to earth. But that was the one place that David could go to, and he's even barred from there. Look at verse four, my heart is breaking as I remember how it used to be. I walked among the crowds of worshipers leading a great procession to the house of God, singing for joy and giving thanks amidst the sound of a great celebration. You see, he's remembering how it used to be. He's remembering how he would delight in and praise God and he would lead others into worship and celebration. And now he can't even go to Jerusalem. He can't even go there. Does that sound familiar to any of you? We've just been through two years where many of us could not come to the house of the Lord. And many of us around the world, not just here in the U.S., but we, have, you know, we weren't able to gather for so long. My own church plant, we couldn't even gather in an actual space in 2020. And, and just like David grieved this, he knew he needed to grieve this it's okay for us to grieve that as well. We've been through a lot. We've all been through a lot. And there are some who, you know, who, who have decided not to come back to church, and please hear me. I am not talking about people, you know, I was just on a Zoom service preaching this very same sermon, and we were in a community on Zoom. I'm not talking about people who are immunocompromised or have other. there are other valid reasons why people are not able to, to come back into a building. I'm not talking about that, but there are some who have not returned to church because they're angry. They don't believe anymore. They don't want to be around people anymore. They don't want to be around God anymore. And what they are doing is they are missing out on the beauty of real and present communion with people and the God who created them. They're missing out on that. You know, if you were able to be with us last weekend, we went to this beautiful place in the Poconos on our retreat, and, and we, were, we were together, and, and there was just something beautiful. If you were there, you might have felt that too. There was something beautiful about being together. Even if we are feeling alone, it reminds us that we're not alone. We are not alone. Even when we feel like we are distant from God or or that he is distant from us, you know, and and it's too painful to reach out to him. It is community. It is the reminder that in the presence of community, that he is still with us, he is present. And I want to also remind us that you know the the beauty of this too is that God is, is not relegated or limited to a building, he is everywhere. Our God is living and abundantly can be found everywhere. Again, if you were were with us last week, one of the things that I love about being in nature is I'm reminded that God is everywhere. I can hear him in the the whisper and the wind and the trees and I I can feel him and see him in the movement of the water and the rushing in a creek. He created all of it. He is everywhere and he resides here in our hearts. And David reminds us of this as he articulates where that hope that he has comes from. That hope that is in here. He says, why am I so discouraged? Why is my heart so sad? I will put my hope in God. I will praise him again, my savior and my God. And first, I am so grateful for David's honesty here. I mean, he tells us where he's at at the beginning of, of this verse five. His heart is sad. And I started this message off a moment ago telling you that my heart is sad. And maybe you're here today and your heart is sad. And that's okay. That's okay. Okay with accumulation of all the loss that we have individually and corporately experienced over the last couple of years with with COVID and then this year, this war that we watch on the news in the Ukraine and, and now another, another mass shooting of innocent, innocent children. My heart break so much that there are times where I feel like I can't go on. There are times when I feel like I don't want to get out of bed in the morning. And so if you're there, know that you're not alone. You're not alone in that. You know, as a mom, these shootings hit me pretty deep. On Wednesday, I... As I dropped my son off for school, I I told him how much I loved him. Because there are some parents who can't tell their children that ever again. And this past week has felt particularly dark as we think about those families and those children. Those families are walking through some of the darkest and coldest hours of their lives. And so as I went back and read this psalm, I wondered, you know, what would it be like if like David, we could still say, I put my hope in the Lord. Friends, there is nothing else in this world that we can put our hope in, but the living and breathing God. And so as we look back to this passage, I wanna bring us back to this image of the deer. This is so interesting to me. Did you know that the thirst of a deer in a cold and dark winter, the thirst of a deer propels them to seek out moving water, moving water. Let me say that again. The thirst of a deer, this deer that David compares himself to, propels them to seek out in a cold and dark winter moving and living water, not stagnant water, not settled water in a pond, but moving and living water. And so, friends, when we are in that season of darkness, when we are in that season of coldness, our thirst can only be quenched by the living and moving water of God. God is still moving, even in our dark season. But we have to seek Him. We have to seek Him. We have to seek him. I want to read something that the Isaiah the prophet in the Old Testament spoke of. This is a truth. And I I want to read this over you right now. And if if you want to close your eyes and just hear the words of God to you, the invitation to you, you can do that or you don't have to. But there's a truth here that I think is still for us today. It's chapter 55, Isaiah 55, verses 1 through 6. So hear this. Come, all you who are thirsty, come to the waters. And you who have no money, come buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money and without cost? Why spend money on what is not bread and your labor on what does not satisfy? Listen. Listen to me and eat what is good and you will delight in the richest fare. Give ear and come to me. Listen that you might live I will make an everlasting covenant with you, my faithful love promised to David. See, I have made him a witness to the the peoples, a ruler and commander of the peoples, and surely you will summon nations you know not. And nations you do not know will come running to you because of the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel. For he has endowed you with splendor. Seek The Lord, while he may be found, call on him while he is near. You see, God says to us today, as he said it through the prophet Isaiah in verse three: I will make an everlasting covenant, an everlasting promise, commitment, covenant with you, my faithful love. That same faithful and present love that he made to David. You see, he offers us his hand of rescue and salvation out of the dark and cold winters that we experience. He offers the same everlasting love that he promised to David. And for us, he does that. He did that through his son, Jesus. Do you think about that? He was a father who sacrificed his own son for you, for me, for all of us. And he did it willingly. And he did it out of his love for us. So that he could be present with us. So that he could be the living water raised from the dead. You know, in a couple of weeks, we're going to celebrate baptism that's why we dunk people in the water. Because then when they come out, they come to life again. There is new life. But we have to make the space to seek God to quench our thirst. It's not just going to happen. We have to seek Him. And I know that that can seem like a huge and tall task. I get that. I'm with you, especially in these dark hours but I promise you he wants to be with you, even in those moments. And friends, before I wrap this up, I I wanna speak to us for just a moment, and I'm gonna be honest with you too, but I wanna speak for just a moment about ways that maybe some of us have been seeking to quench our thirst through other things. And maybe we've been doing it to, to numb our pain We don't wanna deal with the grief. We don't wanna deal with the anger. And we've been seeking those things to quench the thirst. You know, maybe maybe you have been looking to your job to do that. Maybe you've been looking to make more money. Maybe you've been looking to a relationship to quench your thirst. Sex, alcohol, food, pornography, technology, fill in the blank. And I'm gonna be real with you. As I've sat and thought about my own life, you know, these last few months and even over the last year, you know, I've been guilty of this. I have been guilty of this. I have thrown myself into working. I grew up with a dad who was a workaholic. And that's what you do, you just keep going. And I've done that to avoid my own pain, to not deal with my own grief. And it certainly did not make me aware of my anger. It was easier for me to turn to those things than to deal with God. But it didn't work. So I'm here to tell you, whatever you're trying to quench your thirst with that's not God, I guarantee you it's not gonna work. The stuff is still gonna be there. We can try and run from him and we can try and quench our thirst with other things but they're not going to satisfy. They're not going to satisfy us with that living water. And so whatever it is that you have been trying to quench your thirst with I want us to think about this truth that David knew. And I want to encourage you, go look at the Psalms. Go look at the Psalms today. Go look at the Psalms this week. He was real. He didn't sugarcoat it. There are times when he was in in fear, afraid, running for his life, angry at God, didn't understand, confused. But he still knew there was only God who could quench his thirst. He still knew it. And all of these other things aren't going to do it. And so I want to invite the, the worship team back up. Um, I say this often now when I've been preaching, that You know, it's one thing for me to come up here and share with you my stuff and what God has shown me through the passage, but it doesn't do any good if we're not all challenged to wrestle with it. And so I want to give us a moment as we wrap this up. There are two questions that I want you to reflect on right now. I want to give you the space to really reflect on it with God. And to really be honest with him. Because he can take it. If he can take it from a pastor, he can take it from all of us. He can take the anger. He can take the sadness. He can take the grief. He can take it. And so I want to invite you to think about if you are in a dark season right now. Are there other things that you have been using to try and quench your thirst or to numb your pain or to try and satisfy and make you feel better? Are there things other than God? Maybe there's some of those things on that list. You know, I shared with you one of mine, but really let's get before God and and, and, and be honest. Are there things and what are they? And then secondly, I wanna ask you today, are you willing to lay them down? Are you willing to say, God, take this. Take this addiction that I have. Take this using whatever it is to try and numb my pain and let me, let me feed on my tears for a while. Are you willing to lay that down? and be real with him so that you can experience his love and his closeness even when you are brokenhearted. So I wanna invite us to stand right now if you're able. And if you wanna raise your hands to heaven as we talk to our living God, you can do that. And let's just bring these things before him right now. Let's be real. Let's be real with God. What are those things? What are those things you need to lay down so that you can allow God to quench your thirst? as we lay these things down, God, and surrender. God, would you allow us to be okay with tears? I just think of how I was raised that, you know, tears could be a sign of weakness or or we just don't like them. But God, isn't it interesting how you created them? So would you allow us to lament, to grieve, to grieve the things we need to grieve that maybe we've been ignoring? And maybe there's some of us here who, Lord, we would say we're not in a dark season, and that's awesome. And maybe we would say that, yeah, we've been chasing after the Lord and we're experiencing him. That's amazing. But God has given us this ability to intercede on behalf of others. And so I just want to ask us all right now if there's someone that we know that needs our prayer. And as Drew said earlier, it's not just prayers and thoughts. It is action. But in this moment, could we pray for those families? Could we pray for those teachers' families? Could we pray for the children's families? Who were taken this week? God, would you be closer than a brother? Would you meet them? Would you meet us? I thank you that you are close. Your word says you are close to the brokenhearted. Would you allow us to allow you in to our pain? That you would quench our thirst. That you would give us the peace and the satisfaction, Lord, to know that we are not alone that you love us so much and we thank you for Jesus Father we thank you for the love as a father that you showed to us through the giving of your son on our behalf and it's in his precious name we pray these things and we give them to you